It's time for another Made in Manitoba, and we're excited to welcome Crash Test Dummies to the program ahead of their performance at Winkler's Harvest Festival, August 11th. The group saw tremendous success in the early 90s, launching them to international stardom, and thousands of albums sold with hits like Superman's Song, Mm-hmm, you know, oh, yeah. the ballad, Peter Pumpkinhead, and Afternoons and Coffee Spoons. What you may not know or remember is the group got its start in Winnipeg with all of its original members from our provincial capital. Those Southern Manitoba roots are part of our conversation with the band this weekend. The Crash Test Dummies got back on the road in a more regular fashion. That was back in 2017 after performing at the Canada's Summer Games in Winnipeg for what, at the time, was going to be a one-off reunion but has turned into much more. This is Made in Manitoba, and the Crash Test Dummies are our guests this weekend with lead vocalist Brad Roberts and keyboardist and backup vocalist Ellen Reed our guests. Thank you for listening to another edition of Made in Manitoba, and we are so excited to welcome Crash Test Dummies to the program ahead of their performance at Winkler's Harvest Festival August 11th. The group saw tremendous success in the 90s, launching them to international stardom and thousands of albums sold. And we are very fortunate to have with us tonight lead vocalist Brad Roberts and keyboardist backup vocalist Ellen Reed as our guests from the group. And I think what's been lost over the years and maybe not lost, but somewhat forgotten, is the fact that the group got its start in Winnipeg. In fact, all the original members of the group, Brad, are from Winnipeg, and that's where you found your way on the music scene. So how about we go back in time and tie all those pieces together for us as we get started on Made in Manitoba? When I was going to the University of Winnipeg, I thought it would be fun to uh, have a cover band, a band that just did cover songs, And um, I had a friend who lived next door to me for my whole life, uh, Curtis Riddell. And he opened a little cafe called The Blue Note. It was an after-hours club where musical acts would come and play um, and pass the hat around. It was uh, an open stage policy. So there were some rank amateurs, as we were when we began. (laughs) And there were some more polished acts. I think Neil Young went in there one night. so it was quite a place. Anyways, um, that's where Crash Just Dummies got their start, at the Blue Note Cafe playing cover songs. And Ellen, how did you kind of join the party, if you will? I had a mutual friend with Brad, and he had suggested that maybe he was looking for someone who might play keyboard. And she suggested me. And so I just sort of popped in. We had a lot of mutual friends, although Brad and I had, had never met ourselves. Um, and so I went in and I, I played keyboard for a full year before I even started singing backup. So Brad, was there a point when you were still doing the cover band thing that you guys started playing around with doing original compositions or was it an organic thing, a a concerted effort? How did that actually turn into something? That was a concerted effort on my part. I decided at a certain point that I no longer wanted the band to simply be about doing cover songs and having fun. I wanted to actually do it professionally. Not that doing it professionally isn't fun, because it is, frankly. I wanted to write songs. And so what I did was um, I was working at a... Well, I actually worked at the the Blue Note um, as a dishwasher, as well as uh, playing on stage. (laughs) Because there was no money on the stage. Not much more dishwashing. 
I took the money that I made from that and um, wrote five songs and hired someone to demo them for me. Chris Brett, the sound engineer in Winnipeg, very well known. After I made that recording, or that we made that recording, uh, I sent it off to a guy named Richard Flowhill at um, the, I think it's the Mariposa Fu- Music Festival in Toronto. And I was just hoping that he would have us at his festival, but he had booked his festival already. However, he did give us a big thumbs up and spoke to many other people in the industry about the demo and passed it around to other people until there was a bidding war over us. So it went very quickly from being, you know, a rinky dink bunch of amateurs (laughs) to uh, writing our own music and recording it and, you know, polishing up our show and really getting to the point where we were ready to go out there and play. Alan, what do you recall of those early days when you were starting to create your own sound, create your own music? What do you remember of that time? Um, I remember it all happening, as Brad said, very quickly and having to pinch myself pretty pretty regularly. Uh, the buzz that was created, you know, through Richard Flohill and his his uh, industry pals was was pretty pretty exciting. And you know, we were told when when we finally did get signed. Um, and when we recorded uh, The Ghosts That Haunt Me, we were told that we would be vastly successful if we sold 30,000 copies. Like that was what the record company was, like that was the gold standard for them if we sold 30,000. So when we ended up surpassing that by a significant amount, it was, it was you know, we couldn't really believe it because we weren't told to expect it and we didn't, certainly didn't expect it ourselves. I did want to take a moment and just chat a little bit about Superman's song. Obviously, one of your biggest hits, one of your most recognizable songs, whether it's here in Canada or around the world. Can you just talk a little bit about how that song came to be? Even today, you listen to that song and it has a haunting quality that is very difficult to find, in in my opinion, in any music uh, these days. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Um Superman's song was actually the first song I ever wrote when I sat down to make our um, batch of demos. And um, I had written the odd song before, but just for fun and for much more pedestrian reasons. I hadn't really sat myself down and tasked myself with songwriting. That song took its cue from a comic book story that i read when i was a child was uh superman fighting solomon grundy and solomon grundy was this um disaffected character who had been separated from his his identical twin on a distant planet and had spent the rest of his existence in this childlike state of rage over the fact that he couldn't be united with his brother superman one at the end of the day of course but um that that scenario and the fact that solomon grundy rhymed with superman never made any money (laughs) (laughs) combined together to make the fortuitous uh fortuitous coming together of elements and voila there was superman songs and uh, just quickly here i have to i have to ask you ellen about your vocals in that song your your voice on that track uh, is simply beautiful, the way it just backs and fills in the song. 
what was the experience like for for you to record this particular song, knowing where it was coming from, from Brad being one of those first things that he put pen to paper on? Well, thank you. Um, Brad Brad writes very melodically, and so it's very easy to write um, to write harmonies for his stuff. And he pretty much gives me carte blanche in the studio and, and lets me do whatever I want. So it, it's the the most fun I have. Uh, in the studio is, is doing the backup. So singing the backups for Superman song was uh, nothing but a joy. Tarzan wasn't a ladies man he just come along scoop him up under his arm like that Quick as a cat in the jungle But Clark Kent, now there was a real gent He would not be caught sitting around in no jungle scheme Dumb as an ape doing nothing Superman never made any money Saving the world from Solomon Grundy And sometimes I despair The world will never see another man Like him Hey Bob, Soup had a straight job Even though he could have smashed through any bank in the United States He had the strength, but he would not Folks said his family were all dead Planet crumbled, but Superman, he forced himself to carry on. Forget Krypton and keep going. Superman never made any money for saving the world from Solomon Grunt. Sometimes I despair The world will never see another man Like him Tarzan was king of the jungle And lord over all the apes But he could hardly string together I Tarzan, you Jane. Sometimes when soup was stopping crimes, I'll bet that he was tempted to just quit and turn his back on man. Join Tarzan in the forest. But he 
stayed in the city Kept on changing clothes and dirty old phone booths Till his work was through Then nothing to do but go on home Superman never made any money Seeing the world from Sodom Sometimes I despair The world will never see another man Like him Sometimes I despair The world will never see another man Like him One of Crash Test Dummy's biggest hits from their debut album, The Ghosts That Haunt Me, that was Superman's Song, which also appeared on the popular TV show at the time, Do South. The Ghosts That Haunt Me won the band the 1992 Juno Award for Group of the Year and set the stage for the very successful album, God Shuffled His Feet, which also included a number of hits. When we come back, our colleague Damon Perrant will take over chatting with Brad Roberts and Ellen Reed of Crash Test Dummies, asking about their return to touring, releasing new music, and their upcoming return to Southern Manitoba August 11th, performing at Winkler's Harvest Festival. This kid who got into an accident and couldn't come to school But when he finally came back, his hair had turned from black into bright white He said that it was from when the cars had smashed his Shock. Huh. 
I wanted to talk about um, the band at this stage. Like you guys are traveling again. There was a was like a twenty year period where you weren't traveling. What was the decision to come back to it, and, and how does it compare now as opposed to back in the nineties when you were traveling? We got an invitation to play the Pan Am Games in was it twenty seventeen, Brad? We thought, well, you know, we can get together and, and do this one gig, and it'll be fun and. And maybe we can, you know, do a couple more. Um, and then we had so much fun. And it was such, such a success doing doing the Pan Am games. We played with the symphony that we sort of wondered, well, you know, could we put a little three-week tour together just just for fun? And, uh, and we did. And then it was quite well received. So we've sort of been going since then, <laughs> other than th- uh, during the pandemic when everything shut down. Um but it's been really nice that there's this sort of, you know, nostalgia trip that that our fans are going on with us because it's nostalgia for us too. It's been a real a real pleasure that we've been able to go back out on the road again. And and you asked whether it's different than it was in the nineties. I can't tell you how different it is. <laughs> <laughs> so like because... do you feel like there's a more relaxed kind of energy? Um, absolutely atmosphere absolutely I guess compared more. to back then Brad has a lot more free time you know because when God shoveled his feet went so huge there was a huge call for Brad to do press all the time and it was quite exhausting for him um, and the pace that that we were going was was pretty was pretty full-on um, you know we'd be away for from home for months at a time by that same token we did have a, a major record label at that time and they were throwing money into it or you know throwing our money into it and you know we had a tour bus and we had a big crew so while it was very you know time consuming and exhausting we we did have a lot more luxury back then now we have a skeleton crew and and we travel in a minivan so it's not quite as glamorous as it was back then but almost back to the roots i guess Absolutely. And it's it's a lot more fun in a way because, you know, we're we're doing it on our own steam. We have we make our own decisions. We don't have a record company telling us what we have to do. We make our own choices. And uh, you know, at the end of the day it's 
you know, you're just hanging out with the same people that you've been getting along with for 30 years. And we're pretty lucky that we can be doing this 30 years on. What do you guys look forward to when it comes to being back in Canada and performing at, uh, say, something like a Winkler Harvest Festival where it, it's going to be outside? Um, it's going to be, I, I can guarantee you it'll be packed. It's going to be a whole lot of fun for people that are going to be there. What do you take away from something like that? Playing in southern Manitoba or, or Manitoba in general, um, it's always nice to come home, you know. But playing playing Winkler, I'm southern Manitoba in the summertime just it takes me back to being 19 again for some reason. And trundling around southern Manitoba, going to all these little, you know, farmers markets and little small festivals and and just I just get this image of like sun and smelling earth and <laughs> I know that sounds really corny but uh, I'm really looking forward to just just for the nostalgia of it you're releasing new music which is a really cool thing uh, how how was that transition to writing new music uh, kind of been well my, my story with songwriting is that I made a whole bunch of records uh, the first four were with BMG and um I'm proud of all those records, but when we got off BMG, because it was just getting too hectic, um, I decided to go out, strike out on my own and make my own records, and um, it was around that time that Napster came on the scene. <laughs> so, needless to say, the record industry crumbled, and I did not succeed, and I lost a lot of money. My accountant called me one day and just said, okay, Brad, you got to stop making records or you're going to go broke. So I had a bit of a crisis. I didn't know what to do with myself because I'd always been a songwriter. It was my trade, and I I value the work that I do. I'd, it's not something I resent doing. It's something I love doing. So I was kind of lost for a while. But now that we've got back on the road, it behooved me to record some new music so that our tours are a little bit more interesting. You know, we'd, we've been touring uh, now for a few years on the strength of, um, or we had been touring on the strength of the 30-year anniversary of God Shoveless Feet just happened or uh, recently, and uh, the some another anniversary for Ghosts That Haunt Me. You can only do that for so long. You want to put out some new material so that people have a reason to come and see you that, other than nostalgia. I went ahead and wrote a new track called Sacred Alphabet. I was really pleased with the way it turned out, and it's actually got me kind of back into writing. And now that we're much further down the road in the, since Napster, you know, it's relatively easy to get a song um, onto a streaming platform. I'm uh, thinking of writing a few more songs and just releasing them one at a time as opposed to doing a big record, which is a much more time-consuming, expensive proposition. In the beginning was not the word, not yet. No sacred alphabet No subject, object, verb or tense Sound had not been enslaved to sense
neither dark nor deep It did not like some giant sleep In cosmic unawareness coiled Undreaming of a world unspoiled Crash Test Dummies, who got their start in the late 80s and very early 90s in Winnipeg, were our guests tonight for Made in Manitoba. Lead vocalist Brad Roberts and keyboardist slash backup vocalist Ellen Reed were our guests. And fans don't miss their Winkler Harvest Festival performance Friday, August 11th, one of their first shows outside of Winnipeg in Manitoba in decades. Listen to this episode and past Made in Manitobas at podcastville.ca. For my co-hosts, Zach Drieger and Chris Sumner, I'm Michelle Sawatsky. Good night. Mm-hmm.